This is Darren Pulsford, Chief Solution Architect, author, and most importantly, your host. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, Data Integrity Driving Zero Trust with special guest Walter Hancock, CTO of Wallafor. Walter, welcome to the show. Thanks, Darren. Thanks for having me. Hey, I, I got, um, I, I don't want to say jumped, but pretty close by your, C, by your CEO <laughs> at um, Intel's Public Sector Summit. And she had 30 seconds and she sold the whole company in 30 seconds on what you guys do. So I was like, I got to have these guys come on the podcast because this is really interesting information, really interesting approach, a problem that we kind of knew, knew about. We've danced around for a long time. Uh, so, but before we dive into any of that, Walter, tell my audience a little bit about you and your journey, how, you, how you've gotten here. I know they're very interested in, in hearing um, who my guests are and um, how they got to where they're at. So I'm a technology person, been for a long time, kind of an evangelist, definitely an architect. I mean, I wrote my first Hello World program in 1984. I'm ashamed to say a little bit. Right there together. (laughs) Yeah, that's been a long time for sure. But, you know, the thing I really liked about um, development and technology in general, especially back then, it was kind of like the Wild West. Right. And you were trying to solve problems all of the time. And pretty soon I got to the point where I understood that it wasn't just solving problems. It wasn't just implementing technology. It was adding value, right? It was it was making companies, making people work better by leveraging technology. And obviously as the decades, decades, it's terrible, have gone by, right? It's, that, we're that's, in a new millennium too, Walter, I know, just to let you know. I know, right? So, you know, the idea of, of technology adding value has panned out very well, right? I mean, we see that constantly and, and especially, you know, I, I like to see the emerging stuff, zero trust being one of them, right? Is, you know, what is that gonna add? But, you know, my career path has always been about helping companies. I implemented manufacturing systems when I was younger. I did a lot of CRM, I did a lot of financial systems. I started my own consulting firms and did a lot of stuff that I wanted to do with those. And, um, you know, was part of some startups, some dot coms, some good ones, some bad ones, and, you know, learned a lot. But what my claim to fame has always been as my career developed is to take technology and put it together in a unique way to solve problems. And that's really what Wallacore is about as well. And and that's why we're passionate about it, why the CEO is passionate about it, because we believe what we have really kind of hits home with a lot of different use cases. Well, I, I, I like your I like your, your intro of yourself because it's like me. I, I always say, hey, I bring technology and people together to help solve problems right and sounds like you've done the same thing you know a a fellow traveler uh you know software engineer Mm -hmm. by passion right Mm -hmm. yeah um we think software can solve all the world's problems if people would just listen to the software engineers yeah but Um, you know the 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 one crux of that always comes back to you know the 
the can people understand what the problem is, what you're trying to solve yeah, in order exactly. to translate it into technology. And that is the hard part, without a doubt. Right. I, I, I to totally agree. So let's talk about let's talk about the problem space that you guys are going after. It's a problem space that I don't think everyone truly understands. Right. Everyone has this innate trust of I put my data in an S3 container. I put my data on my in my data center. It's safe. It's protected. It doesn't change. It's sitting there. That's not true. No, that is not true. And, and, you know, a couple of examples that we see in the news all the time are all of these cyber things that happen and, and people's data gets compromised. And we get these letters that say, hey, your data was compromised, but here you can have this monitoring for six months or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. And, I've, I've, I was part of that. Yeah, I, I've got I think lots everyone of in the nation was, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the core example or the, the thing that I like to talk about is, you know, when you talk about data, a lot of people have that idea, that implicit trust of how we're handling and storing data. And, you know, usually the general public or, you know, a C-level person within an organization has that idea that, yes, my data is good, right? My data is protected. But as you move down the food chain in an organization and you get closer to where the data is actually handled and used and, um, you know, adds value, you get less and less confidence in the data. And, you know, so, so why is it? I would think that the CEO, uh, the C-suite would, I mean, they have to make uh, strategic decisions based off of data. And so and what you're telling me is that's a a false uh, sense of security of their data or or are people further down the chain more um, I don't know cynical about you know data protection what what's the what's the truth there so it's it's really the mentality that happens when you're in a certain role and us as the general public as consumers that we kind of get into where we don't want to worry about it right where you know a c-level person in an organization it is their job to communicate that everything is good right that things are going well that everything is under control but you know again as you move down i mean you know the the evidence that we have is all of these things we're seeing of breaches of people, you know, exfiltrating data and and keeping it. And and these are not small companies that we're seeing today. Right. They you know, they used to be kind of small, but people have learned. Hackers have learned that, you know, it's not just the small companies that have these problems. It's everybody. And it's not just companies. It's people as well. And, you know, it really comes down to the idea that what happens is. People tend to do what I call the onion, right? They say, right. okay, I have this data that I want to keep protected. So what do I do? So they take it and they start wrapping it in layers, right? So they add encryption maybe. Right, right. right. That's the first thing we tell everyone. Yeah. Everything should be encrypted at rest. Right. And the amount of people that do not hit the button to encrypt their data in the world today is astronomical, right? Yeah, Especially when it's, it's right there to be done, right? And most people do not 
not do it. And and it's not just people, it's companies that don't do it as yeah. well, right? So then you wrap it again, right? You put some kind of log analysis or change analysis. You start backing it up. You add some resiliency. You start, you know, doing geographic distribution and all of these kind of things. And the problem with this is that this is not current best practice it is kind of right because this is what we've been doing for yeah it's what we've been doing for decades for decades and needless to say the environment and everything has changed drastically in those decades right i mean the amount of compromises that happen today compared to 20 years ago is yeah unbelievable and the sophistication right and with the advent of ai writing code Right. The the availability of that sophistication goes up dramatically. And, you know, one thing that we we should talk about here a little bit is these compromises. They're not just hackers. They are internal threats as well. Right. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be a malicious threat. Right. It can be be a mistake. Yeah, it could be a mistake, a DBA. I mean, I was a DBA in these manufacturing companies and I would be up at two o'clock in the morning doing some kind of migration and I would write a query and I would think to myself, "Okay, this is 10 seconds. I hit enter. Four minutes later, it comes back, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, man, what oh, just what happened? I just do. What just yeah. happened, right? And the ability to know exactly what happened all of the time, that is the crux of what WallaCore has done. So we've taken these best practices, these ideas that everybody is supposed to be using as best practices, and we put them into one. So I'm a simple kind of guy when I talk about technology, and the, the tagline that I always use is, is what you put in is exactly what you get out and we can prove it, right? And that is a very powerful statement when you think about the implications that happen, right? I'm that DBA, I run that query and it takes longer than I expected to. What just happened? What just happened? So this reminds me that, that, that query thing, right? Because I've done it myself. When I was uh, in, in college, I was a sysadmin of I remember the machine name. It was called Spock. It was it, it was a Linux mail server. It was the mail server for the whole university. Well, we found that someone was storing. Um, they were storing things they shouldn't have been storing on the mail server. Somehow they got access and they stored it in a directory which was named a uh, backspace. They did a control V backspace as the name of the. So um, they were chewing up a bunch of file system space. So as an admin, I went in there and I was trying to remove this, but I couldn't. I couldn't remove it. I saw the space there, but I couldn't figure out how to remove it. So I said, "Well, I know how to do this. I'll do an rm rf dot star." Now, for those people that know Linux and, and Unix. You'll know that that's the worst thing you can possibly do, especially on those older systems, because it never yeah, checked. That, that's a big it, command there, man. Yeah, <laughs> it went all the way to root and destroyed the whole file system, the root, everything. So it blew everything away. So we make mistakes. It took me two days, and my boss did not fire me. He goes, you'll never do that again, so we were going to keep you around, especially after you rebuild everything from backups. <laughs> Right. Luckily, backups, it just happens. We didn't lose any data. But I'll tell you what, this happens. Uh, Another example of when this happened, 
Amazon goes down, uh, I think it was two years ago, maybe three years now. They went down during um, Thanksgiving weekend. Their biggest shopping day in, of, of the year, they went down on the East Coast because a sysadmin pushed the wrong file up. Right? Sm- simple, small error. So this this stuff happens inadvertently. It could be malicious or not malicious. So you guys aren't protecting against stupid. No. What we do is, is, you know, so some of these best practices are things that we automatically integrate, like – like change management, right? So okay. when whenever so some of the big keywords that we always use is this 100% audit log. So anything that you put in, we track, right? So any change that's made is immutable so that we know exactly what changed when. So if there's ever a question about where did it come from or what happened at that particular time, we include all of that information by default automatically turned on. You don't have to do anything about so, so it. So right? auditability on all the data that's under Wallacore. So auditability, yep. great. You, you need that for a lot of compliance as well. Well, and, and, you know, just this idea, right? I mean, a lot of companies that we talk to, there's two t- things that people always use an objection against us, right? One is that they already have all of this, right? And, you know, when I start asking them, well, how many people does it take? And how many pieces of software does it take? And how much surface area are you exposing? And how much, you know, and all this kind of stuff, they, they don't really want to talk to us anymore. Right. And well, the, well, well, that's a good point. I want to I want to tease out the best practices. Oh, I have a, a piece of software that monitors my file system and lets and logs everything that that's going on. Right. So people are doing this, but it's not it's not a holistic system. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's, not it's integrated. adding on to a traditional yeah. files file storage. And, and those are valid, right? I mean, you know, we yeah. are deliverable and the value that we add is based on those best practices, right? Our, our contention is that we do it, like you said, and I like that word, holistically and built in and most importantly, always on. Right. Like we do encryption at the per we use a unique derived key. Here's my marketing spiel. Unique derived key for each item that you put in. So not only do we do encryption right at that lowest level, but we also take it another step further and we use these derived keys. So, you know, that's kind of so if someone gets a key. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They only get one piece of data. They don't get and and the the data that they get. And let's say they do brute force that one piece and then they brute force another piece. They don't really know if they're related at all, right? Because, you know, a a normal database may do, let's be very small, let's say 10 things per second it does, right? And, you know, over a month, that's a lot of stuff. So if they decrypt two of those things, what are they really going to get out of it, right? What kind of stuff are they going to get? Where traditionally today... I will put a, a encryption key on a file system. 
and and I potentially get access to that encryption key, and I have everything in that directory. Right. I have everything in that file system. And you may rotate the key, right, period right. of time or something yeah. like that. But you're not going to do it at that micro level that that we do. And again, this is kind of the idea: is that we've taken those best practices, and believe me, I've implemented onions and and encryption oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, everything. Yeah, 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 I have to. Yep. And and we take those and we use existing and emerging technology to get a better solution, right? A more secure solution. So, so you guys took a whole you guys took a different architectural approach, not but you took all the best practices, folded it into one architecture instead of it being glommed on. In fact, it reminds me of uh, we're helping a customer right now move from a mainframe mm-hmm. Um COBOL program, one of the oldest applications running um, on the earth today. And uh, we talked to them about this. And they said, we don't know how to untangle this because we've globbed all this stuff around it that that uses it. So how do we un, undo this? Do we have the same problem with storage today? Because I've got several different, um, I've got an encryption engine, I've got an audit engine, I've got access and management um, engines. I've got a validity checking, deduplication, the, and uh, replication, disaster recovery, business continuity um, schemes. Yeah, and, and all of that are layers of the onion. And, and even with Wallacore, you still need some of that, right? But one okay. of the things that's happening today is we do, from an IT perspective, right, we are simplification because we do include a lot of those capabilities out of the box. And again, they're always turned on. You don't really have to do anything to take advantage of those things. Um, but, you know, in general, the the idea for us is that individual piece of data needs to be protected at that lowest level. If you talk about access control, let's say, right, we don't really do access control because of two things. One is that that. You know, that means that we have to go out into the world, so to speak, or the world is coming into us. And a lot of people already have infrastructure in place to For do access that control. access management, right? So right. our the way we handle it is we do um, integration into our back, a back, right, whatever um, kind of authentication you want to use. And the the what we try to do is make it easy to adopt us, right? Because the the Onion approach, especially today, when you're talking about these vulnerabilities and, and the visibility that data integrity is getting, you really need to protect at that lowest level and be assured, right? We talked about different levels of the organization have different expectations of integrity right. overall. What we need to really do is get to the point where that is and not everyone a has the same assurance. Yeah, and, and and assurance is a very good word because they when you get data, you have spent a lot of time doing it. Let's talk about a customer transaction, right? The amount of capital and resources that went into getting that transaction is monumental. And to keep it and protect it and to make sure that the integrity is good. It's just a valid business process, right? When we talk about data today, the number one asset that any company has is data, 
right? It it is. There are companies that are built on just data in general today. Oh yeah, yeah. So you know, if you don't, so I have, protect I have a, that. I have a question around that. Then, yeah, please. Because when when I work with organizations on uh, their data strategies, we talk about prioritization of data and ranking data. Right, some data is more important than other data. Uh, we do that so we can either guarantee more assurance, guarantee more security, or talk about life cycle, uh, data life cycle management, getting rid of um, data that does't matter when I'm out of resources and things like that. With w what you're saying here is I can treat all my data, as far as the assurance goes, I can treat them all the same because the cost is, is it, it's built in, is what you're saying. Right, and, and you know, if you take that so let's say you are coming from the best practice with the onion and everything, right? Right, right, and, right. And you say, and you have to do an analysis like you're talking about because you find that your data is not as secure or it does not have the integrity. So you can't boil the ocean, right? It's very difficult to boil the ocean. So you have to pick and choose, right? So you have to find those nuggets, the, the golden copies, if you will, that you want to protect and make treat them special, right? And I agree with you. What we do is different. We say everything is important. Everything is special. Right? And you need to protect everything because one of the things that that you know data discovery and and AI even is kind of helping with is when you start mining this data looking for valuable information, you don't know what's important, right? It's hard for you to know that this piece of information 10 years from now is not going to be as valuable as this other piece of information. Well, that that, that leads to data hoarding. We've seen yeah. this, right? Yeah. A yeah. lot of uh, companies, we can't get rid of any data because it might right. be useful in the future. That's right. And, and what I you're kind of saying agree is, with that tactic a little bit, right? Well, because, I, do, I do too to some point, but what you're yeah. saying is how do you know that data hasn't changed in the last 10 years? Yeah, and, and that's really important because the, the you know, a, a good example is let's say that you have um, let's talk about AI since I brought it up. So oh, yeah. you have these you have an input data set, you have a training model and then you have outputs that come from it. So the question is, is when you're getting this output that you're potentially basing a decision on, are you assured that the training data that you put in wasn't modified or skewed away from what you originally put it in? Right. And this idea of AI poisoning comes into yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to mention AI yeah, poisoning because this absolutely. is a big problem right now. It is, it is a really big problem. And it, it goes back to the, the crux of what we've been talking about, which is at the lowest level, are you guaranteed that your data is good? And, you know, to know that and to trust these outputs from the AI, you really need to know for sure that what you're putting in is exactly what you think it is, right? Because you have this model, you run it one time and, you know, everybody's paying very close attention to it, right? And then uh, two years down the road, you still have this model. It's getting retrained on a regular basis, right? And it gives this output. Are you still gonna rely on that on that outfit. right yeah it's reminds me garbage in garbage out right? yeah garbage in garbage out that's one right. of my you, favorites the AIs, right? right if you train ai on bad data 
Yeah. Or, or you know, and it's not that the... the well, this could be very insidious. Think, think about the hackers yeah. here. Mm. I only have to change a little bit of data and you don't even know. You don't even and then, know. You know, I months, mean, and, and, years later, your AI is redirecting, yeah. you know, maybe redirecting money to my accounts. Maybe it's um, opening up... Uh, Back doors for me. I, who knows, right? I mean, yeah. this is this this is very interesting, uh, very interesting study. Well, let, and let's take, I guess it's scaring everyone, right? We're we're scaring everyone now. Yeah, it, it is, and it is kind of scary, right? I mean, the 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 short answer though is that you know this is only a problem, or it has really come out to be a problem recently, right? Um, right. Because the the let's call it marginal integrity or not 100% integrity, we've been able to compensate for it pretty easily, right? But now we're becoming more and more data dependent and the quality and the integrity of that data becomes more critical because we're basing more decisions on it. Oh, and, yeah. and it's so much data that a human cannot look at it and be able to verify it without an extreme amount of work in order to, to go through it. Right. Let, let's talk about zero trust here a little bit. Right. Because data integrity for zero trust is is really critical. Right. So. Well, my, yeah. Yeah. If I don't have if I don't have integrity of my data or assurance of my data and I put zero trust around it, then I'm trusting something that's not not trustworthy. Right. I mean, there's there's two areas that I like to talk about integrity with zero trust. And one is the MER or the master user record. Right. If that gets if that does not have 100 percent integrity, you're basing your identity decisions on something that can't be trusted. Right. So that is really critical. And that's no different than any of the other pre zero trust things like LDAP or, or you know, right. confederated authentication or any of that. Right. If you're if your user repository is not a hundred percent you're in trouble right and then zero trust brings in another piece to it which is the end user behavior analysis right, right when right. whenever somebody gets authenticated in zero trust it doesn't just do their their identity it says okay darren is wants access to this resource he has requested this particular resource within this time frame before from this IP. And when he typed this password, his cadence was so-and-so, right? Right, right, right? So there's a huge amount of information. So what's happening in the background is as you're doing these things, your past behavior is being stored someplace, right? So think about me as a hacker now. I want to be Darren. Right. Well, I can't be Darren, but if I want to, I can get into the behavior logs and I can modify them myself. So I, I can be Darren. Darren right. And Wait, so there was a Mission Impossible that did this. I remember. Right. <laughs> they changed. They changed the red. They had to go in and change the change the record to, to yeah. change some guy's gate because they were using the way the guy. Walked. Yeah. And, and, you know, we see it a lot in the movies for sure. Right. You know, the guy pokes out his eye and uses a retinal yeah, yeah, scanner, yeah, yeah, yeah. cuts off his finger or something yeah, like that, exactly. right? I can be Darren, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you can be me. Yeah, thanks. Cut off my finger. You can be me. All right, so let's shift gears a little bit. We talked about the problem space really well. 
what's unique about, we talked about holistic um, approach to what you guys have. What is it really? I mean, let's talk about brass tacks. I have, let's say I've got a whole bunch of data on my own file system and in the cloud. And I'm saying, I'm 100% bought in wall core. I'm going to move everything to wall core. What's that look like? So there's a couple of different ways to do it, right? And, you know, I've been doing software for a long time. So one of the words I like to use when we talk about how you work with Wallacore is um, adoption and um, agnostic, right? So the, okay. the adoption is kind of important to us. And there's two things that I can talk about there. One is that we make ourselves look and feel and taste like a database, right? So we have a REST API that follows database standards, which is CRUD, create, read, update, delete, right? So when somebody sits down to write an application against us or to use us as a data store, we go with what they already know, right? It's a little different because we are kind of special, but in general, it's kind of the same methodology that everybody's used to. So the adoption is really not that difficult. Now, the other thing that we are doing is we're making ourselves look and feel and taste like what people are already using. So one of the things that we're coming out with now is S3 compatibility. So S3, for anybody who doesn't know, is this huge object data store and especially prevalent in AI and things, the, the fastest growth of data in the world is within this object data store. It's not records in a database, but it's like Excel files and PDF files and all of these. These are objects. All right, so it's files, what I'm yeah. used to using it's for files. file system. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, years ago, Amazon with AWS S3 came out with this object store and they created an API that is now the de facto standard in the world, right? When you talk about object store and integrating with it, almost always you're talking about this S3, S3. API, yeah. right? So what we've done is we added a component in front of our product that is S3 compatible. So now if you have S3 already in use in your organization, you can drop Wallacore into the workflow and there's no changes that you need. It's right oh, out of the great. box. That's low, yeah, that's low friction. Yeah. It helps me. And, and even by doing that, you get um, more benefit, right? Like we always talk about that we enhance object storage, right? Because we use that unique key per item encryption and so you upload 20 files, we're going to use 20 different keys to do it, right? We are immutable and we can track, we know that stuff, right? A lot of object store already says that they're basically read or write only, right? And, and that's fine, right? But what we can do is we can actually prove it as well. Not only do we make it so you can only re write at one time, but you can actually go back and say, is, is this really true? Right. It, really. Give me the assurance. Right. So that's a that's a good question. Do you guys allow for versioning so, of a file? And can I can I go back in time? Yeah. So, you know, the, the the good news, bad news is we definitely do. Right. That's the good news. Right. Um, the bad news is we tend to keep everything. Right. Because in order for us to know if something has changed, <laughs> we need the old and we need the new. Right? right. And then there's a comparison 
probably outside of our product that you can do that actually says, okay, here's PDF one, here's PDF two. What is the difference between the two of them? Right. And so we definitely do versioning and, and really to tell you the truth, it really came from S3, right? Because S3 does versioning. So we you had that same it. stuff, right? And, and out of the box, we do that. Uh, very, very cool. So if, if I have S3, if I'm using S3, easy integration. If I'm using um, an Oracle database? Yeah, so it's a little harder lift for us, right? And um, I'm importing the data into Wallacore. In well, case, and, right? and so importing isn't too bad, right? But, you know, adoption is the big thing. And so let's say you have an existing CRM and you're using Oracle as the back end, right? Okay. You don't want to rewrite the CRM. No, no, no. Right? no that would be. Definitely not because it's working for you, right? Yeah. What you want is you want the integrity, right? So there are two ways to use Wallacore. One is a future and one is today, right? So the first one is side by side. So this is kind of what you were I talking about before. I, I have a assured data store. Right. And and it may not be the low level data, right? Let's take a, an ERP system. You're doing financials at the end of the year. You don't necessarily want to keep all of that detail, but you may want to keep what you're publishing to the world, right? So that you have that there protected forever. So that's kind of the side by side golden copy kind of thing. Got it. Now on the roadmap, the idea for Wallacore is to be what I'm calling SQL Wire compatible, right? So we have this, this thing, just like we have this S3 API compatibility, we're building SQL Wire compatibility, and it will be, you know, Oracle SQL, MySQL SQL, SQL Server SQL, right? It will right, be gotcha. because all we're really doing, we're not changing our core product. We're just adding a layer in front of it to make it compatible. Right. With, with, yeah. With the with the uh, already interface. That's the only way you can make it really consumable right right and and that's the the agnostic thing right you know we talk about these zero trust architectures and stuff and our back a back wallacore doesn't do that but what we do is we have architected the product in a way that when we want to integrate with another identity or authentication or zero trust provider or whatever, it's really pretty easy for us to do. You have a plug-in. You have a yeah, plug-in. We, we have a plug-in mentality, and for us, it's it's pretty easy because somebody issues a write or a read or something to us, we just go back to the the provider and say, "Should we service this?" And it comes back with yes or no, right? And mm -hmm. and we allow or disallow. So it's pretty easy for us to do. This is great. Hey, um, Walter, if people want to find out more about Wallacore, wallacore.com? Wallacore.com, W-A-L-A-C-O-R.com. Hey, uh, Walter, thanks for coming on the show today. I'm, I, I'm anxious to watch you guys grow and watch how, how you go through, through this. Uh, we'll be keeping an eye on you guys. I think this is a really cool technology. Well, thanks for having us and thanks for the kind words. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at embracingdigital.org. Until next time, go out and embrace the digital revolution.